Survival Podcast. I've got a great episode for you today. I got Bob Maxley uh, hanging on the line. I'm going to bring him on in just a moment. We're going to be talking about what you do when you've done what I've recommended for so long. Get out, get out, get out. Wherever you live, maybe it's not even a big city, but you live somewhere, you can't do the things that you want to do because of land code and stuff like that and regulations and local ordinances and laws. So you're like, the hell with this. Instead of trying to change where I'm at, I'll go somewhere that's already like I want it to be and not change somebody else's life. And so you take that approach, that voluntarist approach, and you go out and you do that. And then the codes come to you in the form of cut and paste, boilerplate, Agenda 30 driven bullshit. And you all of a sudden have people wanting to pass all types of land use ordinances with total corruption, by the way, not even following their own rules. Where you are now, do you pick up and move again? Hell no. Once you've already made that effort once, I don't think you back down. I think you push back. And that's what Bob will be on the line to talk with us about in just a moment. Before we do, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsors of the day. Sponsor of the day number one today is Ridge Wallet at Ridge.com. And Ridge is no longer just a wallet company, folks. They really are a lifestyle brand EDC company now. Awesome rings for you gentlemen out there. The original Ridge wallets, all different types of patterns, totally secure, protects all those RFID cards from being scanned. Key key fobs, knives, watches, all types of stuff. And it just all looks great. The pens are awesome. You got to check this stuff out. If you haven't checked out Ridge in a while, check them out today at ridge.com. And remember, if you're an MSB member, 10% off every single thing. That Ridge Wallet offers. Next up today, ButcherBox.com. You know, I like doing business with local producers if I can. Not all of us can. Not all of us have somebody that's right there that we can buy our beef from or our pastured pork or pastured poultry from. That's where ButcherBox steps in. Excellent grass-fed beef. Excellent pastured pork and poultry. Lots of other cool stuff, too. And this is the only sponsor I have, guys. They've never paid me a penny they pay me with meat every month. I get a giant box of meat. My, my giant box of meat just came yesterday. Stocked the deep freezer up again. Got rid of the box. Move on with life. They pay me in meat every month. That means you know it's good because I wouldn't accept their product in payment if I didn't love it. I wouldn't put it in front of you if I didn't love it either. So check out ButcherBox.com. Remember, guys, these, these folks also give you a discount if you're MSB members to the tune of $10 a month. That's $120 a year. My membership's only 50 bucks. This one deal pays for it all. And by the way, if you uh, have any issues ever with the Butcher Box customer service rep where like your code doesn't work or something, email me. I'll take care of it. The reason you might get pushback from one of their CSRs, we're the only people that have a recurring discount with Butcher Box. That's how much they support us. We've been working with these guys a long time now, five years. That's a lifetime when it comes to podcasting. And uh, with that, let's move on and get our special guest up on the screen with us here. Hey, Bob, welcome to the Survival Podcast. Thank you, Jack. Good to be here. Hey, man, I was like, I know I've heard your brand before, Radical Gastronomy. And I was like, has he been on the show? And I'm like, <laughs> so I went and looked and I'm like, no, 
No, he hasn't been on the show before because after 15 years, I might forget somebody. Um, But uh, you kind of got like, and then I was listening to you talk. I'm like, I know that dude. And I don't. You got kind of like like, one time. Yeah. Okay. Uh, when you did the uh, Self-Reliance Expo in Denver about 15 years ago. Okay. So very you that talk on uh, gardening without irrigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife and I came down, met you and Dorothy at that time. And you know my son, he came to a workshop at your place last okay. fall. Or maybe, uh, yeah, two falls ago, Cameron. Big, tall guy, ex-Navy. I know exactly who you're talking about. That's, That's cool. my boy. That's All my right. Boy. Yeah, it's yeah. your it's your giant man is what it is. <laughs> He's a big guy, you bet. But he'll always be your boy. But I was, I was listening to you talk on your YouTube channel. I'm like, damn, I feel like I know this dude's voice. And I, and I realized, like, you've got, and this is like a compliment, I hope, you've got kind of like a Mike Rowe thing going on. Ah, well, I'll take that. Voice in your cadence, you like, you know, like, I think you'd do a great job on voiceover work, but um, <laughs> that's, that's not what we're here to talk about, though. We're going to talk about what's going on in your county. I want to start out with, uh, what is your background like when you were trying to figure out what to do with your life and what you want to grow up and be when you're a grown up? You know, what was that like? Where'd you start out? What'd you do professionally? And then how do you end up in rural Colorado? Well, I uh, actually was in the restaurant business for about 22 years and, you know, got out of high school, went to college and I was cooking full time and going to school part time to pay for it and realized, well, you know, I think that if I just get into the restaurant industry and become a chef, I can probably do better than, you know, at the time I was, I was uh, pursuing a philosophy degree. So I abandoned that and vocationally trained with a bunch of fancy chefs and in high end hotels and restaurants, owned a restaurant in Pagosa Springs, Colorado for about 12 years and then divorce and, and other factors Caused that to go into the drink, and I got into building. Mm. And around, uh, you know, the the crash of 2008, started looking around and realized tenuous our reliance on these more complex systems is, and became quite concerned that, you know, the financial system could not be relied upon for our future and all that. And uh, discovered the Survival Podcast in that period of time. And uh, got to thank you for talking me off the ledge of panic into actual preparedness. And so we started copy canning and stocking up on dry goods and that sort of thing. And in thinking about it, quickly realized that, well, you can provide for yourself for a, a set period of time through those approaches, but really to have a comfortable self-sufficiency required getting into homesteading. Mm. And so that was the avenue we took. We started uh, in, we were in a a postage stamp patio home lot, and I actually built a vertical garden on one wall of that. And then it was a a progression of there, from there to a series of, of homestead evolutions. We, rented a place that had a couple of acres. We bought some land and we're trying to develop it, ran some chickens and some gardens. And then we ran into a lot of complication trying to develop that 40 acre piece we bought in the mountains with the you know building codes and restrictions of the county. Eventually we had a fire marshal who told us that not only did we need to blast to install a 10,000 gallon 
fire suppression cistern, but we would need to install a sprinkler system in an earth bag house with a sod roof that couldn't possibly burn. So we finally said, well, you know, this is not the place to do what we want to do. And we sold that farm and we bought a farm that was already developed uh, and had a home on it and all that in well Colorado, where they have very uh, lax zoning enforcement and that sort of thing. It was a five acre farm. There was 20 feet of sand, zero organic material whatsoever. Mm. But through uh, using cow manure to build compost, I built gardens. We actually uh, ran a, a stand at a farmer's market for several years there and fed ourselves about 90% of our own food and running meat birds and pigs and dairy cows okay. and gardens and all that. I did a full permacultural install on that property. And then, you know, you know, we were between fracking operations and sand mines and pretty industrial out there. We were kind of uh, looking at the possibility of, of someplace with more physical beauty. And some friends out here in western Colorado encouraged us to uh, look into things out here. So we ended up looking at real estate out here for about a year before our current property popped up. And it was just too good to pass up, Jack. I mean, it was 20 acres, massive views of the West Elk Mountains. We're on the North Fork of the Gunnison River. We've got a creek that runs behind the, the house here. And it was uh, uh, listed for $200,000. You went from the plains to the mountainside of the state. Right. Yeah, right. that's the part. If I'm going to live in Colorado, you're on the side that I want to live on. You, you bet. You bet. West of the divide. And yeah. so the way that the market was in the Denver area with the improvements and I marketed that farm with the fully installed permaculture system and provided support for a year after the sale. And we're able to clear enough from the sale of that house to pay cash for this. And so here we are. Awesome. Awesome, man. So then you, you get to this new place. It's beautiful. You got more land. You got a river and a creek. You got mountains. And Good you got the most, most important thing of all, no people getting in the way. The department of making you sad is just out of the way. Right. And you're on this property now and you decide to start over there. And then it all goes wrong. <laughs> or at least it has begun to go wrong. What's happened? Well, see, Delta County is one of uh, only two counties, I believe, in the state of Colorado that has no building department. And right. historically, up until very recently, whatever land use codes there were, were essentially not enforced. And there's right. very much a culture here of, uh, you know, things being available to us by right without having to ask permission from the county. Mm hmm. Well, there was a new master plan put in in 2018, and part of that plan called for a reworking of land use codes. Well, work began on that, and they hired a, a firm from out of the county to come in that essentially used the Delphi technique to create consent around uh, reforming the land use code. And then during the pandemic, 
they cobbled together this boilerplate document from other jurisdictions and put it into place during a time where there were no public meetings. Mm -hmm. They didn't have Zoom calls set up. We had no idea what they were doing and slipped that thing in in uh, January of 21. And then they hired a character from out in California, and he was the essentially the uh, director of the planning department. And he got to work on doing about a 50-page additional rewrite to the code. And it came to a couple of our neighbors' attention that this new code would require that everything that we used to have secured by right would now be by permit. Mm -hmm. And this new revision included the elimination of a light and medium industry. Like if you are a plumber and you're using your barn to store your tools, well, now that would be illegal. And if you wanted to build a barn, you'd have to get a permit for it. Mm -hmm. And just all of these compounding uh, problems. So, an alarm was raised among the community and Facebook groups and things like that. And we kind of mobilized a bunch of people that all of a sudden, hey, while you weren't paying attention, and we've had that luxury in Delta County of not having to pay attention because nothing is enforced, to now all of a sudden they're going to try to tell you, you know, you can't do all the things that you need to do, and particularly in this in this valley because we have a lot of permaculture we've got a lot of regenerative agriculture a lot of organic farms and for operations like that to remain viable you got to be flexible sometimes you got to yeah. bring on interns and create new housing and boy if you got to turn to the county and ask permission every time somebody's going to put up a tent you got a problem i was reading some of their and i'll call it what it is bullshit on their website Right. Um, this document they have supposedly refuting the claims that you're making right now. Right. They were saying things like, no, 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 you can put in tiny houses as long as the people that live in them are permanent residents of the property. What the hell business is it of yours? Who the hell lives in my house right. on my property, no matter how big or small it is? Right. And I think to really drive home the point here, I didn't look up the population of your county. But your county seat, your biggest town in the county, has about 9,000 people in it. There are 32,000 souls. Right. We're not talking about an area with people stacked on top of each other or something here. This is incredibly rural, spread out people who've been living this way for hundreds of years. And we were chatting before we we, we brought you on here uh, live, and and I was saying I, I don't get what the motivation of these people is. I think you and I are in agreement. There's agenda 20, 2030 stink all over this, right? But the yeah. local people that are pushing it, it is, it is odd to me that it has become this important to them. Yeah, it's, it's really baffling. We had a meeting on the 28th of February where the County commissioners actually uh, secured a, a theater space where we could put it, 800 people or so in there. We had about 700 people show up to that meeting and, a, and another couple hundred on Zoom. And, you know, it. we had probably 100 people actually get up and speak three minutes each. And the chorus was universal against yeah. what they're trying to instill. 
And somehow, even with a unanimous rejection of their agenda, they're still pressing on. They, they uh, dropped those pages of additional code that were proposed, but continue to hang on to the 2021 code. And now they're going through and, and redlining that. But that was really just the beginning of the corruption that has been revealed in this process. So help me out here a second, because I did watch some of your stuff, but I didn't get a complete feel for it. Now, obviously, county commissioners ended up involved somehow, and that would clearly be an elected thing. Yeah. This board, are these people elected? Are they appointed? Like, what accountability do they have? Well, in our county, we've got three districts, okay. and the the planning board is comprised of three individuals from each of the districts that are appointed by the county commissioners to serve on the planning board. Additionally, there is a paid position of this planning director, and that is somebody who's essentially hired by the county administrator. Okay. So it, within that, that planning board, they've got a set of bylaws. And, um, you know, one of our, our neighbors, Victoria Turner, volunteer to be appointed to that board. Now this is an unpaid position. They get like 30 bucks in gas money per meeting. And she started questioning the fact that they were in violation of their bylaws. And, you know, in, in a couple significant ways, one of which the, uh, the chairman of that planning commission is by, according to the bylaws allowed to serve two one year terms and then must take a year off before serving another term if they're going to. Okay. And our director, you know, our chairman in that position was in the process of serving his third consecutive term, and she called that out. And then the other issue that's still ongoing, there are members sitting on the board who live in the towns, in the incorporated portions of the county. Hmm. Well, the planning commission only deals with the unincorporated portions of the county. So in the bylaws, it states that all of the members of this board must live in the unincorporated portion. And this is a, you know, a philosophy that goes all the way back to the Magna Carta. You can't make laws for jurisdictions where you don't reside. Yeah. I mean, even in Texas, like I ran for state state house and I could only run for the district I lived in. Right. That's a pretty common thing that to serve in a, in a position, you have to live in the jurisdiction that you're serving. That's right. very common for an elected very common. Right. And that's what it says in our bylaws. However, we have three people serving on this board that do not meet that qualification. Well, a county attorney wrote an opinion on that saying that, well, you know, the state statute only requires that they be county residents. And so that supersedes your bylaws, which no, is another, that's not how that works. <laughs> no, it's another absurd legal position. So you can see the kind of corruption and, and nonsense that's going on. So now they're in the process of rewriting their bylaws to accommodate their corruption rather than rooting out their corruption to be, you know, in line with the bylaws. Yeah. Yeah. And they tried to get rid of this girl, right? They, uh, yep. 
They asked the what? county commissioner to remove her, and she defended herself fairly well. I had to, I, I didn't have enough time to listen to her entire defense, but right. what I listened to was very articulate, very well spoken, and it yeah. basically She's, shut that down for a time. But it sounds like this battle's far from won. It sounds like it's still going on. Yeah. It's just this mushy, evolving tactic on their side. Right. So we, uh, you know, have have put together a nonprofit called the Alliance for Land and Liberty, and the URL is a4ll.org for anybody interested. And in real time, we're trying to cobble together the necessary structures and organizations to be able to fight this thing effectively. Now, at the same time that we're looking at trying to vote in home rule for our county, which would rest more power on the local level than at the state level, the state has, uh, the state of Colorado has bills going through the legislature right now that would essentially strip home rule from everyone under the guise of affordable housing. But essentially what they're trying to do is, you know, use that hot button feel good political point to strip power away from the counties and centralize it all in the state. And so once again, we get back to this 2030 agenda and the consolidation and centralization of regulation on how people can use their land. And of course we have the, the 3030 program from the Biden administration trying to get 30% of all the land and water under conservation easement in the country. And yeah, I mean, it's just one thing after another that's stripping our rights and our ability to do the good things that we need to do on our own land and, and centralizing that power under what eventually would be, you know, a global authority. Yeah. Yeah. How pissed are people about this? And like, what's the pulse in, in the county? And like, is there anybody that's not part of this? board that thinks this is a good idea you know if there are there are some developers who are itching to you know put in subdivisions and things like that and i mean this this county is is pretty unique i really it's been it was uh in the 1880s that the utes were uh, pushed onto the reservation and this valley was settled. So really it's only 1890 or so since there have been, you know, white people in this area and, and ranching and that sort of thing. Okay. And so you've got, you know, fifth generation ranchers and then you've got a bunch of, uh, you know, permaculture, organic, you know, hippie type individuals. But even, in that that desperate desperate uh, demographic of what would conventionally be left and right politics, it's a v- almost universal resistance to this regulation. You've got a lot of outside interests and money interests that I'm have sure. Uh, yeah, that's got to be where it comes from. Like right, yeah, right. And so there's an incentive, not only of you know, of course, uh, our county commissioners get kicked around on the state level when they go over to Denver for the, the gatherings of, of county governments because we're so backward and, you know, uh, yeah. out, out of, uh, out of the norm. But I mean, it's a really unique little area. 
they they sometimes say that we're the poorest county in the state. And sometimes that may be true, sometimes it may not. But really, that's only in terms of dollar bills exchanged. But a lot of the economy here is not happening in the white market. Hmm. There's a lot of barter, a lot of trade. We've got amazing craftspeople. We've got amazing producers. And a lot of the exchange that actually goes on is in goods and services, not in money. Yeah, and I'm sure government hates that. Government of course. hates all that which it cannot tax. The reason to try yeah. to get everything under a permit or a license is it brings all under state control, right. and then it, it all is part of the tax harvesting. We we're, we're all live on the largest farm that's ever been created. It's a tax farm. You bet. Right. We're, they're milking us every day and bleeding us every day. We're like Maasai cattle. Right. right? They don't want right. you dead. They just want you producing milk and blood. Right. And as long as you're doing that, you're, you're doing your job. And not because again, it's, so is there any like, can you get rid of these people that run this board? Right. So these are, are all of the things that we're looking at with the Alliance for Land Liberty is we're, you know, examining recall. And, you know, of course, the 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 big uh, dilemma with that is, well, if you get rid of the devil, you know, then you run the risk of, you know, the political machine installing a devil you don't know. Yeah. And so that's one thing that we're looking at. We're also looking at um, other counties that have successfully defended themselves from this sort of thing and networking with folks in Oklahoma and other counties in Colorado and trying to really put together uh, a tactical approach that could be used in other uh, jurisdictions to combat this sort of thing. And at this point, we're, you know, trying to consult with uh, lawyers and, and understand where we stand from a, a legal footing and, you know, developing some fundraising uh, endeavors to try to cover legal costs and, and, discern the best tactics to battle this. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it seems like you have an overwhelming majority of residents that don't want this. Right. And it, you know, we have an overwhelming majority of people in this country that don't want a lot of things the federal government does, but making changes there tends to be a lot harder than doing it at like a local County level. So right. well, it seems got- like there has to be recourse to this, you know, right. Um, Money only buys so many votes in that type of a scenario, because like you were saying, like you have these like permaculture eco hippies and you've got like these fifth generation. I mean, a fifth generation rancher is a hard some bitch. Oh, man. <laughs> like a dude chiseled out of, of freaking granite. You have to be at that point. We still drive cattle up the highway into the high country yeah. every season, you know, on horseback. But my point and- is, like you said, that would that would generally be considered like politically opposite, politically pole opposites. But. They're there for the same reason. The cattlemen right. are there because everybody left them alone, and the hippies went there to be left alone. Right. Right. So there's like you have this common enemy now. These people that want to interfere with your way of life. And I read some of the stuff, and and some of the the pushback on it was just nonsense. Like these things, like you know, you can't keep your tools here if you're a plumber anymore, and stuff like. Well, no, because there's a co- they say stuff stuff about like cottage business law, and and that covers. Well, no, because all I have to do is say. Well, that's not a cottage business. And I think what's people that are listening to this or watching us right now, what they may not understand is the level of corruption 
and contempt for truth that these people have. Because I watched this young woman, this is why they tried to get rid of her, challenge what was being done, point out they were in violation of their own laws and the law, not only their laws, but also the law, period. And I watched these people basically say, yeah, we are. We don't care. We're right. going to do it anyway. And if you want to challenge in court later, go ahead and do that. And then want her to just shut up. Right. Like a complete like brazen. Yeah, we're breaking the law. So what? We voted right. that it's okay for us to do it. That's Make who it these are. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's staggering. It's staggering. Yeah, so we've, uh, you know, uh, the Alliance for Land Liberty uh, just launched a crowdfunding uh, site on GiveButter. I don't know if you've ever remembered those guys. They, uh, uh, cool after assessing everything that was out there, GiveButter.com slash A4LL is the, the campaign. And basically just trying to get a little money together to, to uh, pay for lawyers so we don't get ourselves in a pickle. But, you know, Jack, ultimately this comes down to the question of, okay, well, how far can you be pushed and how far can a county government that is completely blind and deaf to the desires of its citizenry push this sort of an agenda before things start to get a little dicey, you know? Mm -hmm. And yeah, these fifth generation ranchers and, you know, the homesteaders and folks around here, you know, they're uh, uh, quick to defend their rights. Hmm. Yeah. And they're good shots. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say, like, we were talking offline before we, we went live here and where I grew up in the coal region, these guys might have just fell down a few times. I'm just saying, right. like, and I'm not advocating. I'm just saying, like. 35, 40 years ago, this was handled a little differently. Right. And it, it it makes you wonder, again, like, what makes this so important to these people? And right. I'm talking about your county commissioners that seem to have this board's back, at least to a degree, and the board itself. Because these are people that even though they live in town or whatever, they live in this county. Right. They live out in this place. Yep. You would think that they'd care at least a little bit about what the people that live next to them want. Right. At least some thought that maybe I don't want to walk around looking over my shoulder for the rest of my life. It's got to be know? awfully uncomfortable, you know, to go you to know, the grocery store, you know. This makes you think of the dude with the killdozer, you know. I mean, like you push people far enough, you don't know what's going to happen. And yep. to me, the only answer is this outside money, and it must be making these people promises because – if I live where you live and I'm seeking the power of being the chairman of the land use board or something, I'm a person with a neurosis for power. Right. Right. That's a normal person doesn't want to do that. They'll do it if they have to out of a sense of uh, service or whatever. But when a person actually craves that kind of micro tyrant power, they have greater aspirations. And I'm just wondering what funds this shit is like Soros money you know, or something like it saying, well, you do what we need done. And we've got your back going forward. Cause I mentioned earlier, you know, I ran for the state house here a long time ago when I wasn't completely an anarchist yet. Right. And I ran as a libertarian, as a political statement. I never intended to win, but I ended up getting, I got more, I got more votes than the Democrat in that district. Huh? Yeah. Like, like, so I actually did better than the Democrat candidate in that district. Right. Uh, 
And I was talking to somebody at a company function just back when I worked a corporate job. And we had a really high end attorney and, and law firm that represented our corporations. And this guy, Jeff, was the attorney that was directly you know, working with us. And he hears this conversation. He walks up to me, puts his hand on my shoulder and goes, well, I know who has that seat. When you want that seat and you're ready to run as a Republican, let me know and we'll make right. it happen. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. Then he never stuttered. He never broke eye contact. It yep. felt like, like, hey, I'll make you my whore. I'll be your oh, pimp. Yeah. Oh, but yeah. he was dead. I have no doubt had I said, yeah, you know what? I'll play ball. Did I, next election, I would have had that seat. Right. I have no doubt. And I think it's that kind of grab ass, that incestuous grab ass yep. that's yep. being leveraged by the people that actually have. Like, I don't think these people are like, yeah, man, we got to get Agenda 30 done. I think right. they're useful right. idiots within the chain, but they're power hungry, useful idiots being funded to the, because I can't come up with a, and if anybody out there listening to us live can give me a better reason that these people would want to do these things that are clearly unnecessary. Because we were talking about this too, like, have they been able to answer a simple question? What happens if we don't do this? Right, right. And they have. And I mean, they say, well, you know, we only do this because neighbors have arguments. And it's like, yeah, well, you know, neighbors have arguments. And the, you know, the, the amazing thing, there's an anecdote um, from some friends of mine who ran a composting business. So they'd bring in organic matter from various sources and, you know, they had the windrow turners and all that sort mm -hmm. of stuff and out in a remote part of the County, not bothering anybody. They had a particularly hot load of, of compost, you know, with a bunch of chicken manure in it and okay. the wind was just right. And boy, their neighbors were getting a laugh to that. And, and sure. came over and said, hey, you know, it smells really bad. I can't open the windows at my place. And they said, oh, we're so sorry. We'll move the compost over here so it isn't blowing down on your place. Yeah. Problem solved. Well, if you have now the department of making you sad, well, it's easier for that neighbor to drop the dime and call up the county code enforcer and yeah. get them to come over and levy a fine on you and everything just gets worse. But to the, you know, the potential of, of Soros funding and, and whatever to get these things in, in installed in all these rogue counties, the firm that did the consensus building for this new code was out of Durango, Colorado. And anecdotally, I heard somebody who had a conversation with him say that he said during the pandemic, he was bragging about getting 17 counties that had no planning department under code during the pandemic. Hmm. And so this guy, it's a one man firm. And so he was going out to all these counties and by using the Delphi technique to, you know, get the appearance of consent for this sort of thing and a bunch of, of different form boilerplate stuff, managed to essentially enslave 17 different counties while the world was shut down. And he was proud of it. So I don't yeah. know where that guy gets his funding or, you know, his materials or what, but there certainly are people out there who are doing that work. Well, yeah, he's not doing it pro bono. He's not doing it because he's bored. No. Right? Somebody's paying him to do that. You bet. I wonder what he makes per county. Right. Probably more than you and I make in a year put together or something. You like bet. That. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. What a piece of maggot shit. I'm sorry. Just yeah. like, 
Like you're lower than the maggot. Like you, the maggot yeah. has a higher purpose in life than you do. You're the maggot excrement. Right. Um, right. I mean, because it, it seems like the entire county government is at least somewhat part of this, because even though the planning board's the one doing this, like they have the rest of the government has some level of oversight. So how did the whole, like the, the commissioners, whatever, get so freaking out of step? With the people that put them in office. It's hard to figure. And, you know, the the more baffling thing is how can they remain so out of step when they've yeah. been. I mean, we stood there for five hours telling them to stop. And every walk of life and, you know, young kids who with no public speaking experience up there yeah. stuttering their way through it. And, you know, it, and they just have a deaf ear. So, yeah, I mean, it. it conclusively indicates that there is a motivation outside of what is being shown. Yes. Following. Hard to tell what it is, but you know, we, we had one gentleman who stood up there and explained how when I showed up in this County, I was homeless, but because this organic farm allowed me to, you know, live in the camper in my truck in their yard. Well, now I have my own place. I have a business and, you know, you want to solve the homelessness crisis, make it easy for people to live. And in many cases, you're going to you're going to help it out. And, you know, for us, when we came over here, we basically put everything we had into buying yeah. the land so that we could be mortgage free. And that left essentially nothing to build a house. We lived in an RV for about a year and a half and, you know, set up a composting toilet system. And then I, you know, built this house that I'm speaking to you from for 8,000 bucks. And, oh, wow. you know, I, I scored a bunch of materials. I, you know, developed this dustcrete technique that's similar to hempcrete, like these walls behind me over here, that's sawdust, Portland cement and lime slip formed right. into place and then plastered with a lime plaster. But well, clearly it's, you didn't get a permit. So clearly it's going to fall down on you probably before right. this interview is over. The roof yeah. will just, and I'm sure that because we don't have all these land use codes out there, that there probably is a cave in of somebody's right. house on a daily basis. People tow tiny houses down the road, hit the brakes and throw them at their neighbors. Right. It's all chaos, the time. It's anarchy. It's nuts, right? Like, right, right. The, Gas way dogs, are, together. the way these guys are pushing this, you would think that it, you know, that that's what's going on. Like this is rural Afghanistan or something. And people are using trebuchets to throw goats at each other. Right. So that, that's Plenty where I'm back yeah. to. I think these people must have aspirations outside of this County, some level of state office or state bureaucracy that they've been promised because it doesn't sound like any of them have a real future. Like when's the next election for these clowns? Right. So it's a staggered, you know, elections. You don't get rid of everybody at once. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. And, you know, absolutely. One of them has aspirations for the state Senate that he's, you know, very public about. And yeah, I mean, it, it boggles the mind to essentially sell out your your constituency to some other interest yeah, I mean, you would think that they've got designs on on higher offices or, you know, kickback deals, or perhaps they're 
compromised. You know, perhaps mm -hmm. they've got some black mare material on them or a combination of all three. But yeah, I mean, just, just mind boggling that they can so brazenly ignore the will of their people. Well, yeah, you know, you just need one offer that when this is all over, man, you've got a 300K a year lobbyist job to uh, the state house right. or the state right. Senate, right? Like, you, yeah. you don't have to be qualified to be a lobbyist. There is no qualification. No. They, they give you a corporate card and a, and a manual of what you can spend your money on, and you're good, right? So right. even right. if you're right. not good at it, they might say you have a three-year or a five-year contract, and then they get rid of you. Yeah. And if they, they paid you a couple million bucks, that's cheap in their mind to accomplish what they're trying to accomplish. And I think the real problem with Agenda 30, Agenda 2030, is that the elite have worked out how easy this is to do at a local level. Right. The buying influence of a, a sitting United States federal senator is expensive. Right. But buying the influence of a county commissioner or a town council member or a mayor or a prosecutor. Yeah, depending on what you're trying to accomplish is relatively cheap yeah. and you do it little pieces and one, and it's kind of like a, like you got to keep going back to Senator scumbag and paying him over and over again to keep him in, in, in what you're doing. But at the local level, you can kind of do more of like a one-time payout. You get the thing done because this is the danger that I see. I think that you guys are going to get rid of these people. Right. I don't care how you get rid of them. I don't care how landslide it is. Once something's done, undoing it is way harder than doing it. Right. So if they fully get this implemented, then you get this fear to change things by the people that are put in there to change it. Because you need one rule where I vote to repeal all this shit. Eyes, eyes have it out. Right. Takes effect immediately. Done. But I don't know that that happens if they get it done before you get rid of these people. Right. Well, and that's that's the concern. And, you know, like any other government, there's a lot of uh, architecture in place for making laws, but very little architecture in place for unmaking laws. Mm. And so, yeah, that's, that's the concern is if they, if they pass it and get it in, you know, getting it undone, super tricky. And, you know, we look at, at the universal building code and most people aren't aware of who writes the universal building code using mm. universal residential construction code there is an organization that is comprised of labor unions and building material manufacturers and what have you that write the code and then go out to individual counties and coerce and incentivize the local county commissioners to adopt it. And, you know, a lot of it's done through fear where, you know, if you guys write your own code and something goes wrong, then you're liable. If you use our code, then that insulates you from liability. And that's yeah. how you get 98% of all of the counties in the country using the exact same building code. Which makes no sense because building conditions are drastically different. And it's it's just something that, that, that it has such a pattern of, right. of happening over and over again. So people think like this is unique to government or whatever, but it's not. Um, I used to work for a company called Fluke Networks. They're a computer mm -hmm. test equipment company. They're spun out of Fluke with the multimeters and stuff like that. Right. And what we would do is we would get with architectural design firms 
and spec our equipment in in the spec so that when the job went to bid it, and you'd get this call, you know, I got this opportunity for 10, you know, testers at 10 grand a piece and I want a discount. Screw off. You're not getting a discount because I know you have to buy it anyway. Right. Because we specced it in. And then we had people that sat on boards, right? Private boards, but boards that did the specs for what the testers had to be able to do. And, you know, us and one other company made testers that actually did the thing. So like, this is a thing that gets done everywhere you you right. go into the operational specification layer and you're working at a level and i don't mean superior just at a level in the architecture the hierarchy that's so far and it's just not higher it's obscure right so that the average person even the person that's in the industry that's going to have to eventually pay the bill doesn't have any idea it's going to happen or that it's happening and by the time it's in front of them oh, i guess i'm ordering a fluke tester oh i guess you need a permit to take a shit Right. I mean, that's literally the same formula and this type of thing and attacking people like I'm excited next month. I'm going to meet Mike Reynolds, the guy that's behind the design of the Earthships. They took right. his architectural license. Right. Right. For building houses in the middle of nowhere where he right. wasn't using his architectural license to build them. Right. Right. This, this pattern is just everywhere. Well, it's kind of like Jordan Peterson getting his uh, his license pulled up there in Canada for practicing psychiatry you know it's yeah. a, the same sort of thing it's like well no we we just don't like what you're doing yeah yeah it's mad i you know this this valley is is amazing in the diversity of alternative building systems that have been employed to great success from the yeah. sawmill houses to the adobes the cobs the earth bags the you know what have you uh cordwood everything so it's like a museum you know I, I i think of it sometime like uh ayn rand's galt's gulch in many ways because it's this isolated sort of protected hidden valley away from civilization where i mean there's really a parallel society and economy going on here that doesn't look like the rest of the country and it's beautiful and delicious and, and impressive and, and it's kind of like the experimental things. libertarian zone we've always talked about. We just didn't right. know it was there. Like we've right. always said, like, just give us a place and leave us alone and let us see what we can do. Right. And I've always said they won't do it because they know that what we'll do will work. And that's what's happened here. You notice the communists never say that? Can we have our own county and we'll run our own county and we won't bother you and we'll run yeah. our communism? It no, always works until you, you, it always works it. you run out of sell everybody else's money, right? Yeah, so they're really fast if you have to stay in your own county with your communist county. Right. But you, right. you use libertarianism, you end up with abundance. Right. Even if it's not the state's version of abundance. I, I'm betting very few. They might say you're the poorest county, but I bet your, your starvation rate's pretty freaking low. Very low. Very low homelessness, very low hunger, very low, you know strife and difficulty, very low crime. And, you know, oddly enough, even without building codes, the buildings don't burst into flames. They don't fall down, down like yeah. ever. About, I don't remember exactly when, but it was right before COVID sometimes. So 18, 19, somewhere in there. Um, we've always had this pretty open legal system as far as trades in Texas. But the one thing you had to have, if you were going to touch a pipe, Inside a house as a right. as a licensed plumber, you had to be a licensed plumber. So even just like roughing in the the PVC sticks or the PEX sticks or whatever, 
of rough it and then having a plumber come at the end. No, can't do it. Like electrical <laughs> work, you can rough in the wire and electrician puts it down, but plumbing, you had to have a plumbing license to touch a pipe. Right. In right. a house. Now you want to put sprinkler right. systems in? No, it's fine. But a house, oh got it. So they, they, they remove that. Yeah. Yeah. The hysteria. The, the <laughs> houses are gonna be flooded, you know, you and then once it went away, there was never another word about it. I'm still waiting to, to get a, a you know a news article come out about somebody's house washing down the the gullet because some guy glued a pipe wrong or something. Right. Nothing bad happened, but it's always the same shit. If we don't do this, oh my God, all this terrible stuff's gonna happen. And it seems like your people that are pushing this shit, they didn't even try that. There's like no story they're gonna tell you about why you have to do this, and that is it's bizarre to me. I think it's just like. Maybe this dude that got 17 of them done is behind it and just thought, you know, you know, just get another one. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's mind boggling. They, they did try to float one story. It's like, Oh, well, we've got a problem with people living in RVs and, and just waste right out of the hose on the ground. And it's, it's hard to, uh, to imagine somebody living next to Blackwater and thinking that it's okay to just go on living that way for any period of time. Yeah. It, hard to picture. Well, but, and I would say like, you don't need new land use codes. There's probably oh, there's a health department already. This is like when you, some guy shoots somebody and they say, we need gun control. Right. The guy broke like 14 laws. Why don't you go enforce those 14 laws? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's already covered. You know, it doesn't, yeah. doesn't have anything to do with this. Yeah. What would you advise people that are living in a place like you were in 2016 before all this shit started? Like, it seems to me that there's a couple things here. One, helping you guys push back however we can. But two, this, I think you'd be in a better position had someone seen this coming before it actually started and put up some sort of bulwark, right? Some sort of defenses. What right. do you think could be done? Because, like, we have a lot of places in Texas exactly like this. I live right. in one, and, you know, I could probably hit downtown Fort Worth with a rifle shot if I got the angle just right. I mean, I am not right. that far, and yet right. I have total freedom. And it seems to me that places like this need to put up some level of defensive position before, because this is coming. Sooner right. or later, this is coming to you, too. Well, and this is the thing, you know, where the the home rule approach is possibly helpful if you're looking at the people defending themselves against the state level encroachment. Okay. As far as at the county level, and, you know, we were talking about this before the show a little bit, at some point, the there's always a balance between what the law is and how it's enforced. And I don't know how your dad was growing up, but my dad was, you know, not too eager to pull permits for things that he thought he could get away with not pulling a permit for, even if it was required by the law. So you've got a certain element of it is better to ask for forgiveness than permission. And then, you know, what, in, in all of this that's going on over here, they hired the code enforcer uh, who was a character who was a, a town cop 
and then a county sheriff and then a state patrol cop and then hired on to be the enforcer for the planning department. And, you know, he was using intimidation tactics and flying drones over people's property and getting permission from their neighbors to watch the walk the fence line. And, you know, rather than as the code stated that it would be a complaint driven enforcement system, Mm -hmm. He was going out and essentially looking for violations uh, of his enemies, be they political or personal. A a government employee attempting to justify their existence. The hell you say? That never happens. Using their their petty tyranny to exact revenge and that sort of thing. And so what, you know, what we've done is organize ourselves in accordance with our watersheds and essentially gather together all of our able-bodied neighbors and, you know, form mutual defense packs Mm. where if there's something going on in your property, whether it's, you know, somebody trying to break in or trying to steal your hay or whatever, or a rogue enforcer giving you grief, trying to make you sad, one text out to a dozen neighbors who the next thing you know, you look up and they're all, blocking the driveway and and making it very uncomfortable to enforce these mm. regulations. And so giving me goosebumps, one of my favorite movies, man, Tombstone. Yeah. Exactly. I, I don't think I'm gonna let you arrest us today, Behan. Right. 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 And what we need is a, a, the whole county basically. I don't think I'm gonna let you do that today. Right. Because right. because they're not following this is the big thing. They're not following their own rules. Exactly. Exactly. So, so this is where you get a real problem. And this is where people say, well, like when they give you these mitigating things about it doesn't apply here and only applies this way. How can you trust people that break the rules to get new rules put in place to follow the new rules that they put in place? Yeah, well, that's the thing is if, if we're going to operate under the presumption that the rule of law is the, the code of the day, then, yeah, that has to be universal. And, you know, it has to apply to the lawmakers as much as it does to the average citizen. And when they've shown abject disregard for that and, you know, rules for thee and not for me and all of that, it's it's difficult to to respect um, what they're what they're trying to accomplish. And at some point, you know, ultimately there is a fourth branch of government, you know, and that's us. And, yeah. and what yeah. we're willing to tolerate. Yeah. The consent of the governed is, is more than just a phrase when, when it comes right down to it in the end. I mean, the other Absolutely. thing, I look at this and I just start thinking, does there need to be an east and a west Delta County? I mean, like, you know, does there you need to be a county level of secession? Is that a thing? I don't know that it's ever been done, but like at right. some point, do you just say, you know what, y'all you just run your little town however you want to. You know, we'll call that yeah. Central Delta or Island Delta County, and we'll have the rest of it, and y'all go screw. I mean, right, right. You know, because yeah, I, I do look at this, and I, I, I do see this coming everywhere. I, I think I was pretty yeah. strategic about where I'm at, but I still see it as an eventual threat. And, yeah. you know, my goal is I'll just get everything built before they do it. <laughs> you know, yeah, um, yeah, but we have a lot of counties like in West Texas where people are making a go of things like this, trying to build their little communities and all. And out there, it's like things used to be for y'all. You do what you want. There's there's not just no rules. There's no one to enforce the rules. Yeah. 
there's yeah. nobody there, right? Yeah. Like, and if you hired this Barney Fife type guy in some of those places out there, he's going to be busy. Right. Right. You have to get across six dudes' ranches to get to the one dude's ranch he wants to jack with because right. it's not, you know, private roads and stuff. But this sounds like it's a little bit more accessible to people like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, I, I think that as people are waking up and, you know, we've had this luxury for so long of not even having to care or think about the county government because, mm -hmm. you know, yeah, it's a it's a county of 31,000 people. And I think in the last presidential election, uh, 3000 people voted. And so really, you're looking at about 1500 people to win an election. And yeah. So, yeah. I mean, the county government's small. They were unobtrusive and easily ignored. And we all, you know, were resting on the laurels of, of not being messed with. Well, and this is the kind of shit that gets another thousand people to vote that normally oh, yeah. don't. Right. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, you got to believe these people are going to get their clocks clean. Oh yeah. No, we, we could, we could easily push those seats out and you know, the, it goes back to what you were saying about that state house seat. You've got a machine, you know, and yeah. this, this County goes red uh, pretty reliably. And so the question is, who does the Republican party have on tap? And well, you know, it pretty much looks like their top guy is that dude from the planning commission who is serving the illegal third term. You know, he would be the guy they put up to replace one of these seats. And, you know, so, it, so they want to plant him into the state Senate. Well, no, they're one of the commissioners now. They want to bump him up to the state Senate okay. and switch him out with this this other I got guy you. they've been grooming. And, you know, it, it it's all a mess. Now, unlike most jurisdictions, we probably could run third-party candidates or independent candidates, and there's a reasonable chance of getting enough traction and enough votes mm -hmm. to get those people in. Yeah, yeah. Especially when people know why they're doing what they're doing, right? Yeah. Right. So, what what is the plan? Is that the plan going forward? What is the plan? Where do you go next? Right. So, right now, we're you know through trying to raise some funds for the Alliance for Land Liberty and get a game plan together. We're definitely looking at at putting a home rule uh, vote on the next ballot where we can change the you know the the relationship between the state and the county and have more power right here in the county. We're also, of course, looking at, you know, what I was talking about with these mutual defense packs within neighborhoods where, you know, we're going to make enforcement, uh, you know, if it's, if the enforcement's out of line, it's going to be met with resistance for sure. And we're looking at vetting uh, political challengers for these seats and continuing to keep the pressure on with regard to the bylaws of, of the county commissioners. And really, you know, more than anything, each of us reevaluating on a personal level where our lines in the sand are on mm. this whole on this whole thing. And the one, you know, positive that's come out of it is we're getting a much more close knit and cohesive community built. Yeah, I guess being attacked does make community stronger. 
Absolutely. Right? Your opposition. Because all of a sudden you and I, maybe we don't get along on a lot of things, but we, we get along on this. Right. Right. We, and we're there's definitely, nothing that makes us better friends than a common enemy. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, and th this is an enemy. I, I try to use caution in choosing that word in my speech enemy. You bet. But these people are enemies. These people yeah. are against everything that people like us are for right. everything. Like right. the, I guarantee you that these are the same type of people jacking up our kids in, in the public education sector. These right. are the, right. the same people, but the same type of people. They're all part of the same ilk. These are the right. same people that were out of the same group of controllers that are putting these prosecutors in place that prosecute somebody for defending their home, but right. let a guy that stabs somebody on the street for no reason out on his own reconnaissance. Like Absolutely. this is all from the same source. It's an attack on Western culture. Right. Uh, so we're like, Jack went crazy. No, I've always been this way. Trust me. been doing it 15 years. Um, just because I don't believe in every 10 head conspiracy under the sun doesn't mean that I don't know what's going on at a higher level. Right. Um, yeah. So is there anything my people can do to help? I mean, most of us don't live here. We do have somebody. I have a comment starred by them. This person here, I think, lives in your county. And right. says it might be the first time ever that they vote. But most of us are not from Delta County, Colorado or even Colorado. Is there anything that we can do to help you? Well, you know, the, the big thing, even 10, 20 bucks uh, to that Kickstarter at uh, – you know, givebutter.com slash A4LL would be fantastic. And, you know, really sharing the story around and and talking about it, making people aware is is really helpful. And, you know, it, things that you can do in your own counties in the same fight, the more of us who are showing our resistance to this control perversion down to the very minutia of our lives. I, it helps us all. I think I was about to throw you some money. I'm like, I'm probably gonna have to enter payment information. So I think I'll wait till <laughs> after we're done. So I'm not, well, we appreciate it. Uh, we but yeah, we'll, 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 we'll throw a little money at you. And I asked my audience to do that as well. Before I'll let you go. Can we, uh, can we chat a little bit about, I, I find what you're doing itself as far as outside of this government shit, really interesting. Uh, probably need to have you back on to talk about it in full, but can, you were talking okay. about your house. What is your setup like now on this 20 acres? Um, what do you got going on there, man? Well, so, you know, we've got, uh, the, the property is irrigated and you know, we've got really old water rights. And of course, in this section of the West, that's everything. Having good water rights is, is, is huge. Very simple system. So I'm flood irrigating a three acre pasture where I rotationally graze Jersey cows. I've got uh, one calf on the ground so far and another due any minute here. So we hand milk, you know, uh, these two Jersey cows. We always run a couple of pigs. I just get feeder pigs. I don't support a boar over the winter or anything like that. So we just buy some feeder piglets from neighbors and raise them out for all of our pork and bacon needs. Sometimes we'll run lambs. We usually do about 75 uh, Cornish cross broilers rotated daily on grass, keep a laying flock as well. Then a pretty extensive uh, no-till garden. 
and I'm kind of a chaos gardener, you know, really focus on, on seed saving and locally adapted genetics. We trade seeds with our neighbors and starts with our neighbors and all of that. And then here for the house, it's a 550 square foot cottage. And my original plan when we were living in the RV was to build a bathhouse. Right. And so I did a timber frame cordwood. And, um, you know, then realized that with the finances and everything that happened during COVID, we'd probably be better off just adding a living room onto that, which is where I'm, I'm sitting now. Okay. And I've documented all this on, you know, the Radical Gastronomy YouTube channel, uh, the video about uh, my dust creep process is, is creeping up to a quarter of a million views here. I just recently had a pretty good run, but I detail all the natural building techniques, the earthen floor, the lime plaster, the cordwood construction, how I did the rubble trench uh, foundation and all that. So I encourage folks to check that out. I try to be pretty good answering comments with the details and things like that. So, yeah, that's basically where we're at. You know, we're um, trying to set it up where the bills are very small and almost everything that we need is produced right here on the farm and live that simple life. And if the government would just get out of my way, you know, I'd hang out and watch birds and weed the garden and milk my cows and be thrilled about it. Yeah, I mean, I think that what this conversation really gets to the crux of is, the most fundamental human right is the right to be left alone. You bet. Right? That's the most fundamental human right that there is, the right to be left alone. Yeah. And that's what's under attack right now. And I encourage those of you that are in places where you're living a very free life because you've made a conscious choice to go there to understand that that needs to be actively defended. Right. It really does because. And it, it starts with just talking to your neighbors. We have a fairly small area here that's unincorporated, and most of it is uh, low income. Yeah. And so if any jurisdiction annexes it, it's going to cost them more to provide service than they'll ever get out of it. Right. That's why it was a strategic decision. Right. But we still talk to our neighbors about, well, what do we do if they try it? And the answer is you don't get to. I mean, we've literally decided, like, we will be on our roofs with ARs before we let you annex this place. Right. But it doesn't – that. and I, I honestly believe it to people around me, like, the fight looks too hard. I'm not going to do it. But it, it does nothing to stop Tarrant County from doing some shit like this. So we right. need yeah. to have a multi-layered defensive posture – with, you're just not doing this here. Right. Right. We don't right. need this. We've managed to survive. And it's it's all it's again, it's the same pattern. The pattern is set. This shit that's going on, if you've paid attention with this restrict act where they say it's a TikTok ban. If you wanted to ban TikTok, you'd pass a one page piece of legislation called the TikTok ban. Right. And it would yeah. say heretofore the, the application known as TikTok and any of its associated actions are banned for ISPs to provide access to in the United States. So say if on this day, bam, it'd be a quarter page and it'd be over, right? right? right Instead, right. it's this monstrosity, you know, of a bill that gives the government the ability to ban anything, anytime, for any reason whatsoever, with no oversight, not going back to the legislature. Right, 
Right. It's the same shit. It's a workaround it's for the First Amendment. Yeah. Like, because you said they said, well, we have these problems with people dumping shit out of their RVs. Okay, then pass a more stringent law that says what happens to you if you dump shit out of your RV. Right. That's right. And, and you know what you're the only yeah. person objecting to that is going to be the dude that looks like the guy on uh, Christmas Vacation. Right. Uh, Cousin right. Eddie, right? Cousin Eddie's the only one that's going to object to that because he wants to put it down the, the storm sewer, right? Right. So right. nobody would have a problem with that. But no, that we have to, because that might happen, we need this litany of shit that tells you whether or not you can store the tools you use for your job in your own shed behind your house. Right. Right. Yeah. It's absurd. It's absurd. <laughs> It's almost like they want a revolution. Uh, <laughs> it's almost like they're asking for it, you know? Let's find out how far they can push us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? There's a, the, the, a meme where it's like the little dude with a stick, and it, he's got, like, all the media, like Fox News, CNN, MSNBC, all on him. And then, like, there's these two little things on the ground, and he's sticking them with a stick, and it says, come on, do a civil war. Right. Like, like they're just right. trying to provoke it. Right, right, right. Yeah, well, you know, on, on the issue of, of – uh, withdrawing consent you know and of course the uh opposite of consent is dissent yeah but one tactic that we're considering is uh you know perhaps recording with the county clerk removal of consent on an individual basis mm -hmm. but get everyone that we can in the county to go down there and line up at the county clerk's office and have a stack of removal of, of consent forms mm. that people can just add their name and sign and go in there one after another and get the county clerk to notarize it and record it into the county record that, you know, when, since uh, any just government derives its powers from the consent of the governed, yeah. well, if we withdraw our consent, where are you at now? You, know. you don't have it, and there's enough numbers on the books officially that say you don't. I guess another right. aspect that could be done here is a landslide of uh, lawsuits. Right. 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 I mean, if, you know, federal court or whatever, the Colorado state court, and just, you know, it actually isn't that expensive to sue somebody, but it is kind of expensive to defend yourself against being sued. Right. And, and I think course. that needs reform, by the way. However, right. while it's in place, you know, they use their shit against us all the time. Right. I have no problem with a little judo move and putting that force back on them. Well, we're also looking at the surety bonds that are held by these, these elected officials. Mm. And, you know, if we can make a, you know, claims against their bonds and their bonds get pulled while well, they've got to leave office and they can't run for any office ever again. Mm. And so we're pursuing some of those tactics through bonds for the win and, you know, other, other organizations that uh, employ that tactic. And, you know, just uh, the, the kitchen sink of, of approaches to say, okay, well, where do we have leverage and, where is it best applied to try to get to counter whatever the external influence is that's inspiring this behavior from our elected officials in the first place? Agree. Let's hit a few things people have said here that I've started. Just have a few. I don't have an answer for this. I don't know if you do. How can I get a list of countries and uh, counties that don't have building codes? Countries would be cool, but counties yeah, are great. Like, I, I think it's kind of case by case. I mean, yeah, there's uh, I think there's one other county uh, and I think it might be Mesa County out, out west of us here, but I'm not sure in Colorado, but it's probably a, a Googleable thing. Yeah. And, 
you know, the, the question then remains, how long will it be that way? And if you're making long-term plans, yeah, if you've got the money to go in and, and get everything built quick before, you know, the, the boogeyman comes great, but yeah. you know, it, it, it's, it's, uh, I, I wish that there were more places that were sanctuaries. Yeah. You know, they say Alaska is the last frontier, but it freezes really hard up there. It's oh, yeah. the actual last frontier in the lower 48 appears to be the desert Southwest. Oh yeah. Um, and it's yeah, not that no you'll be left there. alone, but you have a pretty high probability of it because even if they have rules, they just don't have the manpower to do anything about it. Right. Right. But it's, right. man, you're back to like, it's the harshest environments. Any place that's easy, they've already taken over. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, don't try to do this to anything rat, in yeah. the Northeastern United States, right? Mm-hmm. You got zone five and six up there. Like everything grows. The soil's fertile. Dutch farms are like fertile in the country. You can't do anything. Right. You, you can't right. do anything. Everything's mm-hmm. already sewn up. Uh, so I think it's people need to more look at like, well, where where do you want to live? And then what's the freest place in that area? Unless you if you're truly completely geographically untethered and you'll go anywhere in the country, um, I'd say lead with trying to find people in our community. They'll help you out like. You know, right. I'd love you to come here, but I can't say don't look at Tennessee. We got a lot of great TSPers up in Tennessee. We got some yeah, great sure. people in Florida. You know, look for people. But the, the other warning I'll give you is when we moved here, we had about a two-hour circle that we were looking in. It makes a, a real estate agent's life hard. There oh, you yeah. somebody going, I want to live in this zip code or on this street or I want my kids in this school. You're like, I need to be within two hours of this spot. Right. Right. Oh, and it's a bitch to look too, man. It's a, it takes you a lot long. You know, you don't go look at 10 houses on a Saturday when you're doing No, you look no. at two. If you're, well, you're looking at acreage too. And yeah, yeah, as I said, we spent a full year. I mean, every single listing that met our criteria, you know, it's got irrigation water. It's got established trees. It's got decent views, those sorts of things. And it took a year of examining every listing until, you know, this one finally popped up. And boy, a lot can change these days on the political landscape in that kind of time. Uh, this here, and if I say your name wrong, I apologize. It looks like it's Evelina. Evelina. Evelina, okay, uh, who lives in your county. So the people here in Delta County often have nowhere to go. We're priced out of other places. This is our home. And for the politicians, it's just a job and a stepping stone. I think that sums it up perfectly. Yeah. And what's interesting is here's somebody that I don't know. Maybe you do know them. I, I don't know them. Um, this was listening to the problem as research for this interview before we did the interview. This is exactly the conclusion I had already reached. Right. Because I asked you even before we got started on air, what the hell is motivating these people to make this a hill they'll die on. Right. Right. A hill they'll die on. I mean, this is like, you're not getting reelected. I don't care. This is, it, it, it looks like, you know, they're as committed to it as like somebody that was legitimately committed to something like a civil rights movement. Like, I don't care if it cost me my office. This is the right thing to do. This is insanity. It's moral, morally backwards. You know, it's, it's one thing to, to commit to, okay, this is the hill. If you have a philosophical and moral moral underpinning to justify, but this it's it's uh, the the motivation is is just baffling. 
But if you're planning on running for statewide office and you're worried about how many people in Denver are going to vote for you, you're not real concerned about it. Right. Well, the thing is that for that election, they still need our votes because, okay. you know, yeah. there there are, you know, our representatives. And yeah, well, so, they and may be getting lobbyist jobs or somebody's cabinet position or who the hell knows what, you know. Or Yeah, maybe there's a there's a, a stipend from, uh, you know, a big developer like KB Holmes or something mm-hmm. like that that's saying, well, you know, if you can if you can make a path for us to get in. Yeah. There, We'll yeah. give you a percentage. Well, you know, when we build this new subdivision on Bob's ranch after we kick him off of it, we're going to need someone here local to superintend that project. And right. you seem like the kind of guy that would be good at that job. You bet. You, you don't even I mean? have to come to the job site. We'll just pay yeah, yeah, yeah. $50,000 a year, you know? Yeah. How's the car allowance sound? And, you know, yeah. You know, we're going to have a model home when we're done building it. Maybe we just give it to you, you know? That's I mean, right. like, this is how, and people are probably laughing right now. This is how this shit gets done, guys. Oh, for sure. This, for this, sure. People think like this kind of conniving thing that's done at the federal level isn't done at the local level. I would say it's more done mm-hmm. on a local level because it's easier oh, yeah. to get done. Well, the price point for entry is much lower. I mean, these guys, yeah. they're, you know, they're making $78,000 a year as county commissioner, and that's a part-time job, you know. Yeah. So it doesn't take a whole lot of money to Lincoln town car and an expense account. And you got sure. it, you know, like you bet. You bet. <laughs> so K box says, has this code been stopped anywhere? Is there any place that you know of that they tried this approach and it got plumb shut down successfully? Well, actually down there in La Plata County where Durango, Colorado is, they, uh, they essentially were able to turn it back and went to, a much more, you know, regionally uh, sourced approval uh, system. And so they were, we were hoping when we gathered together all 700 of us and, you know, kicked the county commissioners around for about five hours, that we would end up with a result like that, where they would say, okay, well, you know, rather than do this code and impose it on the entire county, and historically, we have had, um, you know, in within our watersheds, councils that would essentially, you know, uh, grant permission for the sort of improvements that would impact the neighbors. You know, like mm-hmm. if you wanted to double the traffic on your small little road because you were putting up a farm store or you were going to have an event space with weddings or whatever – well, then, you know, all the neighbors would have a chance to uh, weigh in on it, and this council would approve it, and that was about all you needed to do. And a lot of folks would like to go back to that. Well, that's a that's a big problem for uh, developers that want to come in and do things that no one in the county wants. Sure. So that's, you know, a big motivation for this for the county commissioners is they're getting permission, you know, pressure from these moneyed interests that are saying, well, you know, the things we want to do to these people in this county, they're not going to allow if it's up to them. So let's remove that power from their hands and just have a code. If we follow the yeah. code, they can't stop us, you know. Yeah. So LaPlaude County did have some success with that. And there are others. There are uh, folks that uh, certain members of our organization have been in contact with just north of there down in Oklahoma that have been doing the same battle and having some success. And so, you know, it's difficult. 
So just on, I guess, my comment, and, and Jordan here agrees, so you should do audio books, Bob. Your voice is soothing. You should subscribe do. to my YouTube channel, and you can there listen you to go. my voice as often as you want. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I know when I, I was listening to some of your videos, I'm like, this will be a good interview because this dude can talk. Uh, so, so yeah, dude, I've, I've enjoyed this. I hope our folks will reach out and, and, and contribute a little bit to help. Um, I do hope people take away from this the importance, like I said, of putting up a bulwark, putting up a defensive posture, um, maybe not even to do anything, because sometimes doing a thing starts something in motion that you would sure. prefer not to. But to have it all ready to go, like if they if this shows up, this is what we're doing instantaneously. Because, right. in fact, the, the fact that all these people got on board with this probably didn't happen overnight. And it had the second that an inkling of it had gone on, the whole town showed up and said, I don't think so, Skippy. It, it may have shut down a lot quicker. I think there's also another lesson here that we kind of danced around and talked just barely a little bit about. But how much of this shit went on during COVID? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, we talk about patterns all the time. It's the same, but go back to 1913 mm-hmm. and, and, and the, the Congress passes the Federal Reserve Act uh, right before Christmas when almost everybody was on vacation. Right. I mean, like, this is not new. None of this shit is new. When nobody's looking and the pretty girl's distracting you, the, re- the, the magician sticks the rabbit in the hat so he can pull it out. Right. You bet. Yeah. That's what's going on here. They're, they're doing whatever they can in the dark of night and under closed doors. And to me, there needs to be a plan everywhere where we already have these freedoms. And I also think that we need to start developing a template for create. Like, I don't know that we can play defense any longer. Right. I've always been just go where you're allowed to do what you do. But it's like, you're not going to leave us alone. Okay. Then we need to go on the offense. Right. And we right. need to have people that have, you know, close to freedom, but not quite freedom, start pushing for freedom and yeah. pushing back so that some of these, because right now, if you think about it, they have a, an incredible tactical advantage. Right. They can pick this year, 20 counties throughout the whole country. They can attack them. If they get it done, they don't have to do another thing. They can pick another 20 counties. Right. And so they have huge resources to hit these small, and it's all small places. Like the big places are done already. Right, right. right? Well, you know, that's the thing. If if we can put up resistance and make it, you know, just like the issue with enforcement, boy, if it's hard to get these small podunk counties in line, then you know they're they're going to have to abandon the tactic at some point. So, yeah, I think that you know anybody out there who lives in an area where they're not constantly harassed by code enforcers and and petty bureaucrats being proactive and yeah i mean do whatever you can to ensure that it remains that way absolutely and uh my town zach here says it's like jack said before the most dangerous person in the is the one who just wants to be left alone but realizes they will just never be left alone only one thing left to do and i think that you know that's that's becoming reality here is that we're not going to be left alone, that there is an agenda on the table. And you folks, you can think it's conspiracy theory if you want, but I don't have another explanation for why all of a sudden this podunk two bit authoritarian land board in a part of Colorado that most of you never heard of before today. 
all of a sudden wants to implement all this control on a group of people that want nothing to do with it and have been fine without it for 150 years. And if anybody out there wants to say this is a conspiracy theory, then you give me that explanation as to how this happens organically all by itself. Right. Without some nefarious force behind it. Cause I just don't, I don't see it. I'm sorry. So real quick, I want to remind people what you said that they can do to, uh, to help you guys do have a, a fundraising site set up. And again, give butter, give butter, give butter.com forward slash a four L L. And I will add that to the audio notes for everybody today, along with the other resources that you gave the Alliance for land Liberty as well. Uh, so that people can, can learn more about this and, and try to help out if they want. Uh, I would appreciate it guys. If you would, if you would do just that, because if you don't, I don't know who is. Right. I mean, like, this is one of those things where I always say, you know, a fight for liberty anywhere is a fight for liberty everywhere. And the the, the, the way they I, I put it this way, I've kind of thrown out a call today. If you live someplace like this to set up like the defensive perimeter, well, the best thing you can do is go on somebody else's offense before you need offense of your own. Because when you push this back, then you get a template of what that looks like. And the next thing I would do then is wherever it's successful, collect that template up and get it in place and ready to implement instantaneously. Uh, Because one thing we have over these bureaucrats is they can't think creatively. Right. They have one way that they do things, which is we just all say we're doing it and we do it, which is why they got so pissed off when that gal brought up their own rules and put it in their face and said, no, you can't do this. Your own rules say you can't do this. Oh, we're going to do it anyway. No, you can't do this. Because they don't know another way. So we have the ability to be really flexible, have a template in place. And I guarantee you, they're not going to try a different way until it fails a bunch of times. So let's make it fail a bunch of times. You know, uh, Bob, thank you for being with us. Please feel free to come back anytime you want. If you ever want to toss a guest out my way to talk about more of the permaculture stuff you're doing, I would love to have you on about that. And I hope people uh, do what they can to help you out. You bet, Jack. Well, I sure enjoyed it. And we'll do it again. All right, folks, real quick before I go, I want to remind you, if you like the show and the work that we do here and you want to help us out, one of the easy ways for you to do that is do your online shopping at tspaz.com. That is T-S-P-A-Z, tspaz.com. You'll see all of the stuff I recommend and reviewed there. It's all by category alphabetically. But even if you don't buy something I recommend, as long as you start your shopping there, you help us out eventually. Uh, Today's item of the day, I brought this around a lot of times. It's one of the best-selling little gadgets uh, on all of the T-Spaz catalog, it's, it's made by a company called Cable Matters. It's a six-outlet wall mount surge protector. It's a surge protector, but that's not really the big value in it. The big value in it is it turns your little two-outlet uh, outlet into a six-outlet outlet with two USB charging ports. And it's 11 bucks on sale today. So I think that is a heck of a deal. I don't know if you can buy a faceplate cover and a plug to put into your thing to install a standard plug for 11 bucks anymore. Anyway, this helps you out with situations like my wife plugs those dad gone plug in scented air freshener things everywhere. And they take up both holes and you can't plug anything in. And you know, my, my chargers constantly disappear in the hands of grandchildren and stuff like that. So 
I've just installed a number of these throughout the house. It's made my life better. It's a little lifestyle hack. Up at the top, you'll see if you're looking at the video, there's a little light, uh, clear piece of plastic up at the top. That lights up when it's plugged in. It indicates that there's power and it indicates that the surge protector is active. It is bright enough that it can act like a nightlight. That's good depending on where you put it. But I personally wouldn't put one of these in my bedroom because I like my room to be dark when I sleep. So that's a good thing to know. A couple people in the review said, well, it doesn't matter because I painted over it with some black paint and made it go away. So you can do that too. But check it out at tspaz.com. Remember, you can always help us by doing your shop in there. You can also help us by becoming a member of the MSB. Please consider doing that. Real quick announcement. I said this earlier uh, this week, but not everybody catches every episode. Jack Spirko is going on one of his vacations, and it's going to be about two weeks with my wife. That'll start next week. So from Monday next week through the following week, you will have 10 rewinds. I have a great, great selection of rewinds. I think the earliest one started about 2011, and the latest one at the very end is up to like 2019. So a vast, vast, period of time across uh, TSP's evolution there. Tons of different topics. I know some of y'all are not real hip on rewinds, but uh, I think you'll enjoy these. Lots of education. Really great interview with Jeff Lawton. Tomorrow, I will have the one and only Nicole Awesome Sauce with me. Um, I put out a thing on Noster saying, what do you want me to talk about Thursday? And uh, she said, a live chat with me. And so we're going to take a lot of things that people suggested, and, and Nicole and I are going to go through that list and some other stuff, and we'll hang out with you tomorrow, Friday, expert council Q&A, and then vacation. So anyway, I wanted to let you know that, and I appreciate everybody being here, and I will catch you guys tomorrow with another episode. Dollar down, a dollar a month